Just continue to dream big. Don't put a limit on yourself and what you can do. It's all a mindset thing. We all have limiting beliefs about what we're able to do. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome back to another episode of The Right Club Podcast. Sarah, how's it going? Going, it's going. What about you? It's going great. I am really excited about this interview coming up. Ken Beacondam, he is like a permanent fixture at the Right Club. He's there almost every month. Such a knowledgeable guy on a really hot topic these days in real estate is the legal basement conversions and doing it the right, proper way, legalizing them, not just kind of building like a little tunnel or something like that into a basement apartment where like the ogres live or something. But uh, <laughs> It's legalizing them, doing them the right way. He's got such a vast experience. He's done a bunch himself. Now he's consulting for a whole bunch of people. So yeah, like again, what we pride ourselves on is working with like the specialists in their department and definitely Ken falls in that category. He is the basement conversion specialist. Absolutely. If I have anybody asking me about that, I, I send them to Ken's direction because even if Ken is not doing the project, Ken also does a lot of the planning and going to the city and can do all of that stuff as well. And so if I'm going to do a basement conversion, rather than learning it step by step and spending so much time trying to untangle everything that I need to learn, I'm just going to hire Ken and be like, Ken, this is my project. What do you charge to get this permits put together and get the legalization done fast or not fast, but within not wasting any time, I would say Ken is the guy for that. Absolutely. It's like walking through a maze with an individual that's gone through it a hundred times and it's just easier. He, he's got it and it's definitely worth the value. So, but what are you up to these days, Sarah? What are you working on? What's keeping you busy? I have so much stuff. I mean, it's exciting. I am pretty much wrapped up my book that I'm working on and that's wow. going to be, I'm, I'm still debating if I'm going to self-publish or work with a publisher and see what route I go. I'm actually working with Paul Cupcut, who's helped me with my branding and my strategy. And so we're strategizing the next step now that the book is done is do we try to self-publish or do we go to a publisher and see if that's the better route? So that is what I'm debating on right now. And it, it is exciting because it's my first book and I want to give back to the community, to people that may or may not be coming to the right club, but want to get into real estate. And for me, it took me probably a couple years too long to figure out everything. And if I, if I had the right mentors, if I had the right coaches, if I had the right information from the beginning. Or I the thought, right club or the right club, there you go, I would be further along because in the beginning, I was listening to a lot of US specific podcasts, US specific books and US specific, whatever you podcast book and, and audio books. And a lot of the things were different. So I uh, had to learn that. And then what could have gone a lot, little further ahead if I had just stuck with the, uh, the Canadian content to start with. But what about you? What, you, what have you been up to? Well, first, that is so amazing. And I want to say congratulations to you that I can't even imagine a book. And once you get all that figured out, I'm going to come to you. And that because you've walked that path, because that's something for me that I'd love to have on. That's on my bucket list to do that as well, too. So congratulations. And, and you really are an inspiration for, for me and for JAG Properties of the knowledge, the information, the value that you share with your students, with just the, the Right Club Nation members. You're so amazing sharing that info. And, and yeah, I definitely inspire me and that's kind of on the same breath that's what i'm looking to do now is 
put together some type of training or consulting program where I can help more people understand the whole rent-to-own world a little bit easier. I was fortunate enough that I had great mentors right from the beginning that explained it to me. And luckily for me, because I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, I guess you could say, that I, I worked with some really smart people and was able to to learn it quickly. So now I want to be able to, to provide that in, uh, in, in the same same breadth as you're doing as well too. So working on that, putting that together. There's more to come about that once we formalized it, but that's what's keeping us busy. Besides the normal business, just bringing on more and more rent-to-owns, finding more clients, finding more investors, working with strategic partners on, on how to do it more, how to make it more efficient and, and really tinkering and, and refining the process even further. So yeah, that's what's keeping me busy. But this podcast too is keeping me busy and I love it and I look forward to it every week when, when we're recording and meeting these amazing people that you know, we know little tidbits about them because we you know speak quickly at the right club and we're busy those nights running around and orchestrating and, and putting on the event. But this is really cool that we get to sit down and speak with them. And, and you guys are in for a treat. Like I said, Ken, just a down to earth, nice guy, really good dude, doing amazing things and dealing with adversity in his life at the same time and not letting that be an excuse or a reason to stop him from doing it. So yeah, we really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, I think we should get to it. What do you think? That's a good idea. Let's do it. Welcome to the podcast, Ken Beacon Dam. We are so excited to have you on here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. It's, I'm excited to be on. You are also going to be speaking at our April 23rd event as well, which we're really excited about. Now, you have a lot of experience in real estate investing, and we have lots of questions for you today. And if we ever run out of questions, which I'm sure we can ask you questions for days and days because you've got so much information, you are also going to be sharing some more on the 23rd of April. But why don't you tell our Right Club Nation a little bit about you and what you do when it comes to real estate investing? Yeah, so kind of give you a bit of backstory. So I grew up in a real estate investing family. So my dad was buying rental properties in his 20s, in his early 20s. He had a full-time job. He ended up starting a business, but then all along on, on the side, he was buying rental properties. So it's always been around our family. I remember as a kid going out to different properties and in those times, there's lots of carpet. And so steam cleaning carpets in between tenants, stripping wallpaper, but then re-wallpapering because wallpaper was still popular back then. Now we're stripping it and painting, but so yeah, it's always kind of been uh, around you know, my childhood growing up. So, so I recognize coming from a bit of a more privileged kind of upbringing, having a dad who was already in, into real estate. So fast forward a number of years, and it wasn't really until I started buying my own properties that it really hit home for me. Sure, your parents have properties, but that money is not going to your pocket, it's going to their pocket. So it's not necessarily life-changing for you. So yeah, once I got my own properties, then it really hit home for me. And then I really appreciated what my parents were doing. Absolutely, and that's so invaluable. Like you said, going in between tenants when you're young with the steam cleaner, probably hauling that around and putting in the work and seeing the time and effort. You can't replace that, right? Like you can't replace hard work and learning how to do that stuff. And and good on you for continuing to do that, right? Because maybe some people would have turned them off or saying, oh, I hate doing that. Or they look up to their parents and say, oh, I don't want to be doing what their parents are doing. But good on you for kind of 
continuing on that. And, and for the people that maybe don't know your story too much, what is your specialty? What is your strategy of choice? What do you like working on? What type of project? Like, so we do have a mixed portfolio of, of properties. We have some McMaster student rentals, duplexes, triplexes, four units. And we have a, a 10 unit. So we have kind of condo at one point in time. So it's definitely is a mixed portfolio. Right now, we're really just focusing on legal second suites, buying these brick bungalows and adding a second unit in the basement. We do, we do have our 10 unit that we're currently going through a zoning change to legally add two more units. But same concept, we're just kind of increasing the density on the, uh, the buildings. So we're seeing it on our return our ROIs that we're really seeing it in the second suite place compared to some of the other properties we have. So that's kind of, we've just been kind of focusing on that right now. We sold three properties out of the portfolio this past year. So kind of three of our underperforming uh, properties we had, a condo, another single family home, and kind of just moving that equity over into higher performing properties. So Awesome. It's really interesting. So for those of you wondering, or for those of us wondering, what is a basement conversion or how does that work? Can we walk through that a little bit? Because when somebody's starting out, they don't know all the, the different types of investing strategies that there are. And I think you're doing a great, great strategy where you're able to essentially take a, a single family property and convert it. Can you walk us through what that is exactly in the, in the process? So basically, when we're converting a property, we're not just putting in a basement apartment, just renovations. We're actually making it legal with the city. And there's a, there's a big difference there. So obviously, when we're going out to, to buy a property, one of the first things I'm doing is before I can go out to the property, I'm checking in on the zoning. What is the zoning for that property? Every city, because of Bill 140, has mandated second suites. Every city has to allow them, but they can control where within that city that they can allow those units to be built and to have different zones that they permit it. So first off, we have to check the zone uh, and make sure that this property is in the right zone that's going to permit a second unit or a duplex conversion or a converted dwelling or other, other ways of converting, but essentially the same thing. Once we've determined the zoning, then I'm, the next thing I'm doing, even before I go to the property, is still seeing, okay, where can I fit parking into this property? Because most cities have to have at least one parking spot per unit. And there's, they can be side by side, they can be staggered. Some cities allow maneuvering space to be offsite, some have to have the maneuvering space within the lot lines. So those are two things very easily when I'm looking, checking out a property, I can do from home. I can do it right on my phone, actually. There's lots of times I'm sitting on my couch, an investor texts me, say, hey, Ken, I'm checking out this property. Can you quickly check and see if you think we can legalize it? And so that's what I do. I go into the city's bylaw, uh, their, their zoning page, check out the zoning, and then I'm going through the aerial photography and seeing where I think we can fit the parking in. If those two things look good, then I'll actually go out to the property and take a closer look because the next thing we have to do when we're at the property is physically measure the, the driveway width, the, uh, the length from the house to the front lot line and seeing, make sure we have our dimensions to fit in the parking. And if that's good, great. Then we move into the house and then we, I basically head straight, uh, straight down to the basement and I find a spot in the basement where I can take a true measurement from the concrete floor to the underside of the ceiling joist and make sure we have our clear heights for the apartment. And basically most of the houses we're looking at are, are, are uh, over five years old. So basically the requirement is minimum six, five 
underneath a, a duct or a beam. It's really six foot four and seven eighths, but that eighth of an inch. So usually we're going like six five and then make sure we have at least six eight over 50% of the area. So uh, six eight is 80 inches. That's the minimum building code requirement for a finished space from, so that's between finishings too. So that's your flooring to the underside of your drywall. We need 80 inches. So we need at least another inch, inch and a quarter, sometimes two inches if we're doubling up drywall between the floor and the joist. So sometimes, no, I need to make sure we have like 81, 82, 83 inches underneath that joist. Because that's something we can't change without a lot of expensive work of digging out the basement, underpinning the foundation, and lowering the height of the floor so that we can increase height in the ceiling. So sometimes the beams are too low. Like sometimes the beam is 6'2", 6'3", but oftentimes we can cut out those beams and put in flush beams in order to create height in the ceiling. If those things are covered, then everything else is just following the building code which is easier said than done, but it's, it's all achievable. Right, right. So can, for example, when you're saying check zoning, like is there a specific website to go to and then what are the letters or like what exactly is it that you need to look for in order to make sure that it could be converted? Okay, so every city will have their, their zoning page on their website that you can type in your, your property address and it will pull up a zoning map so usually they're called GIS maps or ARC GIS, and every city has them for, for the most part, I think, at least the ones that I'm working in. And so, yeah, I just type in the property address and it'll pull up the property and you can click on the, uh, the rectangle that the property is in. And then it should, it should, for the most part, pull up some basic information about the property. And one of them is it'll say the zone on if it's a C zone, R1B, R1, R1A, R1, R2. There's lots of different zoning names. Now there's not like a standard naming across the city. So every city will have their different names for different zones. So, but in most cases, most residential zones should permit a legal second unit. It's when we're getting into some of these weird zones like downtown zones and, you know, waterfront zones or different types of commercials. Some of them don't permit secondary units, but like Hamilton, for instance, has a C zone which is very common up in the Hamilton Mountain area and other places within the city. But uh, that's a zone, for instance, that you can, you can legally convert in that zone. But yeah, you have to check the zoning and then find out what the zone is and then go into that specific bylaw for that zone. And then you have to read up and, and see what requirements are. But if that sounds like too much work uh, to be able to figure that all out and figure it out off the city's websites, which can be cumbersome, I would just call the city, just call the city building department or call the city planning department, give them the, the property address or give them a neighbor house. If you don't want to give away your property and say, Hey, can I add a legal second unit to this property? And then they'll tell you very easily. Yes or no. Wow. And that's amazing. And that's what I love about the right club group is someone like yourself that's gone through the experience, probably for painful way of learning and probably have those all memorized now, all those different zones and you can quickly do it. But like, I could just imagine myself trying to fumble through those zones and go back and read it and remember back and forth. So putting in that time and gaining that experience, even just as simple as picking up the phone and calling, right? I'm sure you had to figure that out the hard way. But after doing, you've probably done a few of these. So how about like, tell us a little bit about the background, how many you've done, what the portfolio looks like, what you're doing now, what your plans are doing and 
And then maybe we're going to get into a little bit of a preview of uh, April 23rd. Yeah, so basically we have for the portfolio right now, which is not all second units, but we have 50 units, 51 units right now that we have, and that's spread over 23 different properties. So as far as percentage of that, that's actual bungalows with, with second units. I think nine of our properties are, are bungalows with second suites. Wow. You've gone into nine different properties that did not have a legal suite and you basically legalized them and, and made them officially like legal second suites. Yeah. Like wow. that, that we've personally done for ourselves. Like I've done, I've done like actual renos for other, other clients, probably another six or seven houses on top of that for other people, like just wow. in the last 18 months or so. Yeah. So it's, and then permit work. Like I do tons of permit drawings for, for guys. Like I got 10 to do before May, before houses close in May for all these people who are closing on, on these bungalows. So yeah, like it's, it's, I've, I've been doing it for a bit now. You know what? You, you learn the hard way. Like it's, it can be very frustrating dealing with the, uh, the cities and the building department and inspectors, but gotten to the point that you really just have to learn the language and be able to speak to them in language that they understand, which is building code and bylaw. And yeah. these people are only trying to do their job. And so you just have to, you have to work with them. There's no sense trying to argue it. I remember like my first couple projects, like I, cause I didn't know the process. I didn't know the code. You know, I, I didn't know how to do proper drawings and I would go in there and like, I'd get rejected and rejected and rejected. And I'd have to go back and forth five times before I had to get my permit submitted. And wow. it's very frustrating, but that's because it's lack of knowledge. So now I'm like super patient for the most part, nothing is getting rejected for the, like there's always little nuances in the building code that you have to go back and argue with the plan examiner. And I've made some recent headway with, especially with Hamilton, with just some of their fire separation requirements, like even within the building department, and this is true across lots of different building departments, that even internally, those plan examiners aren't even on the same page as far as like their interpretation of the building code. So there's lots of times that we're specifying a certain fire separation on the ceiling, such as one layer five eights with resilient channel. But then the plan examiner is saying, no, I want to see two layers of five eight. So then we're going back and forth and arguing building code. But finally, I know in Hamilton, they finally had a department meeting and they all settled on one layer five eights fire code drywall in that city. So it can be frustrating sometimes, but you just have to, you have to work with them. And every city is different, I'm guessing as well. So you talked about drawings and that kind of stuff, and you're, you're doing that as well for, for some of your clients. What do you mean when you're drawing the, the legal secondary units? What do you have to keep in mind when you're putting that together? And if somebody wanted to, to draw their own or, or to figure out if the drawing is right, like walk us through that a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, so basically when we're doing drawings for the city, you have to show on paper that everything is conforming to the bylaws and the building code. So we need proper dimensions of the building, the room sizes, ceiling heights, elevation drawings, all of the stuff so that we can do proper calculations off the drawing and show that to the plan examiner that this room size, this window size meets the natural light requirement. Homeowners can do, do that themselves. The problem is, is that most cities are not accepting pencil drawings anymore. And so you have to do it in CAD and not everybody has CAD skills or the CAD software to be able to lay it out. Now, there are some free online softwares that people can use to do their own layouts. So it all depends on how much time you want to invest into it. And 
I would say if, if you're really want, wanting to be a really active investor and do these all the time, day in, day out, learn how to do your own drawings. Because as a homeowner, you can submit your own drawings. Um, you don't have to be a BCIN number licensed designer to do that. But be prepared that it, it's going to be frustrating at first until you learn the code. So if you want to kind of skip all that, then you go out and you hire yourself a proper, a proper designer. You know, that, That's already built up the calluses and that's already kind of learned the hard way and made the mistakes going back and forth to the city five, six, and seven times. And, and I'm sure throughout that process, you learned so much more throughout that. And we always say that that's when you, you learn the most is you know, through those, and I don't call them failures, but those initial hard times, right? Learning that mistake and going back there and changing again and changing maybe a process for the next time that you do it, right? I met an investor at the right club this past month and he was sharing with me his frustration with dealing with the city on, on his project. And this is a first time investor, first time doing this. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, I was in your shoes. I know exactly the feelings that you're feeling and the frustration and the anger that you have trying to get your project done and passed with the building inspectors. And sometimes at first, these different building code requirements don't have any logic to them. You really start breaking it down and there's a, there is a reason for all of this code stuff. You know, it's, it's because at one point in time, somebody died because of this issue. And so that's why it's been implemented in the code, but it's knowledge. So, so I know for myself, now that I know all of these rules and regulations and code requirements, like every project we're doing, it's automatic. The guys know, I know, and you're just doing it from the very beginning so that when the inspector comes through, it's, it's automatic. Like, because we've done it right, there's no like frustration and headaches anymore. But don't get me wrong, there can still be frustrations and headaches dealing with the city, but they're, they've become much less for sure. Absolutely. Now, Ken, how long does a basement conversion project take from start to finish? And what is the longest part? Like construction aside, because obviously things can happen with that piece. But when it comes to the city and planning and going through that, like what does that look like? What are the costs roughly? And what's the time frame on getting those, those answers back from the city? Okay, so as we get into the busy spring season here, the spring construction season, like a lot of designers, a lot of contractors are getting getting busy. So that's going to increase the timeline it's going to take to kind of get things done. Now, the Ontario Building Code basically mandates that the building departments have to get back to you within 10 business days. So that's either with an approved permit or that's with issuing a deficiency letter or a review letter. Um, so they have 10 days. Now, a lot of times they're taking longer than 10 days. They're, they're, they can take 11, 12, 13 days before they even issue you a uh, review letter. So like at a minimum, we're two weeks at the city, but then usually the designer needs, depending on the designer, needs a week, two weeks, three weeks, sometimes a month to get the drawings together. So I always tell my clients like, look, let's give yourself a month for this process of dealing with the city to get the permit. If it's a straightforward building permit application, if there's, if we're trying to go outside the bylaw, because let's say we don't have the parking and we have to apply for a minor variance, well, then you're adding another like two months to that process. And I was actually just helping a client in Burlington and we had to go for a minor variance because in Burlington, they only allowed 40% for the basement. So we had to go for a minor variance to go to 50%. So the entire basement, but he didn't have a legal lot survey. So then we had to get a survey company in, took them a couple of weeks to get the survey. And then we had to apply 
uh, for the minor variants and it just it took forever like we we applied in october and we didn't get it till like a couple of weeks ago so it was like a good you know four or five month process but for most straightforward things within four weeks you should be able to get a permit and then when it comes to the renovations we've been able to kind of get them done as quick as like three months to as long as like like sometimes they've taken six or seven months to get done and that's for a whole host of reasons which is uh, too much to get into here but i would say on average with your average contractor without too many delays in between trades you should be able to knock one out in four months you should be able to get these these units done in four months and then give yourself an extra month for proper showings and viewings and advertising of the unit before you actually get it rented and tenants in there and money coming through the door so if you give yourself that four to six month window that's pretty reasonable and you should be able to get it done granted and then and then talk about refinancing and getting the bank in there and stuff and with yourself doing so many of these now and even consulting your clients and helping doing the drawings and, and getting those prepared maybe what's a common thing or, or a few common things that that you see throughout the process where maybe someone like myself that's not done one of these legal suites where i wouldn't see it coming maybe i'd get blindsided or maybe it's a part of the of, of the construction or part of the permits or or something that now that you thought it's like second nature for you now but somebody that's complete rookie or, or green would be like oh i didn't see that coming the biggest thing i see is parking is that people walk up to the property and they think oh there's so much space here for parking that oh yeah we could easily get two cars in here no problem and they're looking at from the house to the sidewalk or the width but the reality is it's it's legal parking so legal sizes for those parking stalls within the lot line and so oftentimes that front lot line is not at the sidewalk or it's not at the street it's oftentimes could be a foot in two feet in it could be 15 feet in from the road edge or, or the sidewalk and so that really reduces your front yard size which then reduces the area for parking and so that's a common one that i see a lot of uh, people make a mistake on is that they just assume there's parking but it's not legal parking there's a big difference hey right club nation we wanted to take a moment to pause the podcast for a second and introduce you to our amazing sponsor danielle chason founder of strategic success consulting danielle has been a longtime supporter and member of the right club and she's also spoken on her stage many times before danielle is an expert real estate investor and has successfully completed many rehab projects burrs, buy and holds, legal secondary suites, and several joint venture partnerships. She has also raised millions in private funds. Absolutely. And she's also a passionate educator and she's hosting some upcoming workshops that you will not want to miss. So at her upcoming workshop called Reverse Engineering Real Estate, she's going to dial into the right investment strategy for you based on your current situation, your personal goals, and your resources that you have available. She's going to give you the tools you need to start investing immediately after completing the workshop. To get more information about Danielle and their upcoming workshops, please make sure to visit events.strategicsuccessconsulting.com. Again, that's events.strategicsuccessconsulting.com. You won't be disappointed. Danielle is a wealth of knowledge and loves to share her expertise. Thank you, Danielle, for being an awesome supporter of The Right Club and sponsoring our podcasts. Now back to the podcast.
Wow. That is so interesting because if, if somebody would ask me that question about the legal suites, I thought it would have been something in the construction. And you hear always about egress, egress. And I've said that to people. And I don't, to be honest with you, not even sure what that means. But it's the parking. Wow, that's crazy. It's not even in the property. It's out front. That's awesome. <laughs> like these are things that are more like difficult to, to get around because like you can get minor variances for bylaw. You can't get minor variances for building code. And so, but to meet the building code requirements, you can do that through renovations. Like you can, you can add an egress window and you can make windows bigger. The, the zoning is a bit more difficult if you have to go for a, a zoning or a minor variance. Yeah. Very cool. So for minor variances, cause I know we talked about it a lot. Like, what is that process? Is that going back to the city, filling out a specific form? What does that look like? So a minor variance is, is basically when you're asking to do something outside of what the bylaw says. So a lot of times, you know, a common minor variance application is for parking. So the, the bylaw says we need one spot per unit with a certain size to those parking stalls. And so oftentimes, if we don't have that depth in the, say, from the house to the front lot line, you know, we have to apply for a variance, basically ask for a reduction in that dimension or a reduction in the amount of parking. So instead of having two, asking for one. Another common minor variance application is for landscape area. So again, a lot of bylaws require that you have to have at least 50% of the front yard area remaining as landscape area. And what that means is grass or gardens versus the hardscape area, which is the driveway walkway front porch. So basically there is a form at the city. Uh, it's, uh, it's through the planning department and it's a minor variance form. You have to fill it out and, and it's, it's on legal form paper because it is a legal document and you have to fill in the legal owner's name. They ask you for like any mortgages that are on like mortgages on the file or on the property or registered to the property, I should say. So you have to kind of fill in all that information and you have to get it notarized at the city, swear an oath and all this kind of stuff because it is a legal document. And then basically it gets submitted. Oftentimes there is a higher fee for minor variances. Oftentimes they're north of $1,500. So there could be 16, 18. Some cities they are as high as 2,600 for these minor variance fees. But then you, you submit and then basically you're given a date a month out or sometimes two months out when your application is going to be heard in front of the committee of adjustment and the committee of adjustment is basically just a group of of individuals who are tasked with reviewing all of these minor variances and basically deciding whether or not they're going to approve it or not approve it but there is a notice that goes out to the surrounding neighbors and so the neighbors do have an opportunity to comment on your application and sometimes that can be it's really entertaining when you go to these committee of adjustment meetings, because actually like usually the ones that I do, like no neighbors come out. So it's pretty straightforward, but sometimes other people are there asking for some crazy stuff and like 20 neighbors come out and they're complaining and arguing. And like, it's like a reality TV show. So if you want to learn the inner workings of your neighborhood or your city, go to a committee of adjustment meeting. It's fun. But yeah, anyways, there's a bit more to it than that, but it is an extra, process and expense and time so we try and avoid it whenever possible and how yeah. often do they grant it versus deny it i mean obviously the regular non-crazy ones where you have 20 neighbors but in general are they pretty and it's I, i'm guessing it's city by city but in your experience have they been granted yeah most of the minor variances especially for second second suites it's for parking that's usually the number one minor variance is for parking 
And there's lots of ways of arguing that saying, oh, we're close to a bus stop and tenants are going to, are going to bike. And so usually they're granted, like, it's just kind of a formal process you have to go through. And it's kind of like, I call it like a rubber stamp, kind of just rubber stamp it, but it is a formal process. You still have to go through it. From my experience, amount of variance for parking is usually easily achievable. And that's great. And again, I'm really excited for the April 23rd event. And you're going to be speaking, presenting to the Right Club Nation. And we really like to spotlight you know, our members. You've been a longtime supporter for a long time coming, right? Probably right from the beginning to the Right Club. And so excited to have you up on there and speaking. Maybe give a little bit of a preview to the listeners today without giving them everything, but just a little bit of a preview of, uh, of what you're going to be discussing and sharing on April 23rd. Yeah, so I'm basically going to be addressing what I'm getting asked on a weekly basis is how do I know that I can legalize this property? And so basically I have a checklist. If you go to legalsecondsuites.com slash checklist, this is where you can download a checklist that I use to walk through the property with and basically check off everything that we need to do in order to legalize it. And so I'm going to be going more in depth on that at the April 23rd event. And I'm going to be speaking to some building code requirements that people just don't understand and need more clarification on, such as like fire separations. And that's a big one. That's a, I get a lot of questions on fire separation. So we'll be talking about that types of drywall and how we fire separate. And then also noise reduction, just different soundproofing products that we're using to really mitigate noise in these units. Sounds like it's going to be very insightful and great for our nation to be able to get those insights from somebody that's done so many. And I'm personally also very excited to hear what you have to say in terms of the checklist and we'll be definitely utilizing some of that as I move forward with my, my own business. So I'm, I'm really, really excited both for our right club nation, also for me personally, yeah. selfishly to hear all about what you've been doing and how to do it. And I think you're going to be able to also combine so many days of learning by myself or by ourselves and really able to narrow it down with a checklist and say, here is exactly what you have to do because time is money. And if we can narrow that learning curve by learning from, in my opinion, one of the best, then that is what I would recommend. So guys come out to the events, April 23rd, and Ken will be speaking and super excited. So our next part of our podcast is called the lightning round. So Ken, you're going to get a series of four different questions and answer them with the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Okay, let's do it. It's now time for the lightning round. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Laurel Simmons. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced real estate investor or a beginner. It's really easy to lose focus and not accomplish what you set out to do. And when you get right down to it, the reason usually is pretty basic. Your why isn't big enough or clear enough to keep you going. Don't give up. Don't stop. Take a breather from your busy day and think about what you've set out to do and why you're doing it. And while you're taking a break, go to www.thewhyfactorbook.com. There, you can sign up to find out when Laurel's upcoming book, The Why Factor, Why I Eat and Drink My Way Around the World, and Why You Can Too, will be released. And when you do, you'll get free access to a short audio called What's Your Story? All right, so question number one, Ken, what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Best of advice I ever received was, I think it's just to keep pressing forward. The real estate journey, there's, there's lots of challenges that come up. Basically, those who deal with the most crap win. So, you know, these issues that we, we face with the building departments it can be frustrating, but if you pursue through it, you're going to learn. 
and every project you do in the future is going to be that much easier. All of us, all of us live lives. We all have our own individual lives going on. And for myself, my wife and I, we're going through some challenging times the last couple months. I know that you guys know that, but but some of your, your listeners may not know that. My wife was in the hospital for 54 days between January and February with complications due to her cystic fibrosis. And so it was a bit of a challenging time for us. There's moments there when basically the doctor said that she may pass away. So it was a real tough thing that we were going through. 30 days prior to that, we had just purchased wholesale property and we were actually closing on the property like during that week that we were being told that she she may not make it and stuff like that so it was it was tough it was it's hard to explain it but like nobody wants to kind of be in that position but we made commitments we had we signed a purchase agreement to buy this property we had to get power of attorneys in place to in order for me to sign uh, these documents and you feel like crap when when your wife is is in the hospital and then you're out signing documents to buy another house for for real estate so it kind of puts everything into perspective but it's because of our real estate investments that we're able to hire a nanny full-time to watch our son you know during this time and it's because of our cash flows that we have off our properties that i don't have to work full-time um, i can be home to, to to care for my wife and my son so life brings crap. We all have different crap going on, uh, but those who can kind of push through and pursue, see the light at the end of the tunnel, you're going to do fantastic. Having real estate in your portfolio gives security. And I know that no matter what happens, I have cash flows coming to me monthly. And that if need be, I can stop all of what I'm doing and I can just focus on raising my son full time and have cash flow coming in. So yeah, just keep pushing through no matter what happens. Well, absolutely. And, and that tests your resolve and, and kudos to you for having that inner strength and being that person that you need to be for your son and for your wife. And when you're dealing with issues from the city or construction issues, like you said, it puts it into perspective where it's like we're thankful that that's an issue versus other larger problems when in the big scheme of life, those little things aren't a big problem. There's a solution. Somebody's done that before. You you have a process. And and kudos to you now for making that process and that checklist. And and to echo what Sarah was saying, is I'm really excited about that as well because it's a very popular topic these days. So for you to shed the light and pull the curtain back on that for you doing that multiple times, yeah, good on you to have that resolve and, and to now even thrive and doing it even at a, at a better and higher level. Good for you. Kevin. How's your wife doing right now? So she's home now. They basically moved her from the hospital environment to the home environment, all on the same kind of, she was on six different IV antibiotics and different medications and stuff like that. All, all complications of her cystic fibrosis. For those who don't know, like CF is um, it's a lung disease. It's a genetic lung disease that, that you're born with. And it's just a slow progressive disease. And the, the life expectancy isn't that that great, but it's, it's getting much better with modern medicine and technology. So she's home, she's stable, and we're just taking it day by day, week by week. But we're, we are very optimistic and very positive, and we are getting some good results back from some of the, uh, the clinics and, and stuff like that. So I'm positive and I'm hopeful. That's great news. And, and I know you're in our thoughts and our prayers in the Right Club Nation as well, too, for a positive result. So back to the lightning round really quick. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? I would say my favorite resource, and maybe just because I'm in this space of doing like legal conversions, but I would say it's the GIS maps. 
like so these these GIS maps that the cities offer for figuring out zoning and bylaw because I feel like I'm digging into those weekly because that determines whether or not that provides the information of whether or not we can legally convert or not like the information's right there it would be those GIS maps and, and the city bylaws that's one of my favorite my favorite resources right now all right great answer number three what is the one attribute that has made you most successful I think it's just my constant drive to keep like doing more and just kind of I don't really have a set number of like you know houses or units or whatever I'm always kind of like looking for the next opportunity then the, the next deal and just kind of always pushing forward helping as many people as I can along the way and helping educate people on some of the different mistakes and frustrations that I've uh, had over the uh, the years I think my drive to keep going yeah, that's awesome, Ken. And definitely a testament to that is that you're you're there almost every event and, and you have every excuse in the world not to be there or to take a quote unquote day off or or to take it personal and, and you're out there doing it. And and I even see on social media doing tours and, and again, sharing your experience with more and more people. Again, right in line with the whole Right Club theory and, and thought process and the values that we share. So the last question of the lightning round, and you've been so kind to us, we're recording this on, on a Sunday morning. What is your typical Sunday morning? What does it look like? So my typical Sunday morning is actually my wife and I, we, uh, well, when, when uh, she's better, my wife and I, we, we go to church. So our Sunday mornings are spent with family, with our community, and we just really enjoy that. And I was, I was raised up in a, a Christian home. So, so I went to Christian high schools and grade schools and church. So it's a big part of my life. So that's my kind of my Sundays are, are about that. And after a long week of working and hustling, there's nothing like sitting and lying on the couch, vegging out, watching Netflix and taking a nap and just uh, relaxing. Very cool. And a very awesome fact about Ken is he's got some alpacas in his backyard. <laughs> yes. My wife and I, a couple of years ago, we bought a 10 acre hobby farm. And again, because our first house was a bungalow, we put in a basement unit, helped pay for the mortgage. This helped us be able to buy our quote unquote forever home, which is the hobby farm. And yeah, so we started buying, actually before we even moved in, into the place, we were renovating and my wife was going out on Facebook finding animals, pacas, and we have a horse and we have mini ponies and goats and sheep and peacocks and pot-bellied pigs and a bunch of different stuff. That's our hobby. That's what I do like day in, day out, day out, morning and evening chores, going into the barn, feeding the animals, giving them water, shoveling poop, letting them outside, brushing horses. It's a great, it's work, it's chores, but it's also very relaxing when you come home and you see all your animals kind of sitting out in the field, grazing. And alpacas, like they're super, like if you're going to have any farm animal, like get an alpaca. Like they're the easiest things to take care of. They just sit there and they're fluffy, like they're big fluff animals. For those who don't know, like an alpaca is kind of like a llama. If you don't know what a llama is, a llama is part of the camel family. So it's just, it's a smaller version of a llama. They're cute, you know, especially the babies. They just come right up to you and they, they you know, we touch noses every morning with one of the babies as I'm spreading the grain out and, and stuff like that. But uh yeah, it's fun. It's it's fun to have, and we're excited to have that for our, for our son too. Growing up, just having all these animals around, it's just crazy. I think we have thirty eight. Wow, that's amazing. That's a very awesome lifestyle. Like real estate, 
it's not about the real estate. It's not about the money. It's about the lifestyle and the life that you get to create with it. Yeah. When you're out, if you're a busy investor and you're out in the hustle and bustle of the city every day, stuck in traffic, you're, you're working on all these houses and you're dealing with different stresses and tenants and what, what have you to be able to come home that the last five minutes of my drive is through the country and be able to pull into just a quiet, somewhat peaceful property. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's fantastic. And I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording with the warmer weather coming here, you're going to start, I guess, shaving down at yourself. You said you hired that out. I'm going to stay on you. I want to get an alpaca sweater or vest or something like that. And I'm going to wear it to a right club event. That'd be so cool. I think. Yeah. Like every spring, as we're coming up to the spring season, it's shearing time. So we do hire it out because at the same time we're getting them sheared. We're also giving them their shots and we're trimming their teeth. We're trimming their nails. And actually, you know what, I'll, I'll take a, a video of it, but when it's time to, to capture the potbelly pigs and give them their annual shots and trim their toenails, like it's, it's hilarious trying to chase these guys down and jump on them. And then they squeal and squeal and squeal and, and it's, it's, it'll make for a good video. I'll tell you I was going to say, it could be like a TV show on its own, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, oh something else yeah can if people wanted to reach out our right club nation if they wanted to know more like where can they go so basically two places like i guess the number one place would be to go to my facebook page just my personal facebook page which is my name ken beacon dam i'm the only one in existence so even if you google my name ken beacon dam you're going to find me and then check out legalsecondsuites.com that's our website. And again, if you go to legalsecondsuites.com slash checklist, then you'll be able to download the copy of the checklist that I use to verify these properties. So yeah. that's, uh, that's amazing, Ken. And any last words that you want to share with our right club or anything that you think they should know? You know what, guys? Just continue to dream big. Don't put a limit on yourself and what you can do. It's all a mindset thing. We all have limiting beliefs about what we're able to do. But you have to kind of work around that, pursue through it, and just dream big, but take action. There you go. Dream big, take action. On that note, Ken, thank you so much for being on our show. And we are looking forward to having you speak on stage at the Right Club April 23rd. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Thanks, guys. Look forward to it. Thanks, Ken. So I love Ken and his episode and what he's been able to accomplish for the, I don't know, the past while. I, I guess he's been doing this for a while. His family have been investing as well. And he just really took the bull by the horns and went out and did his own deals and is so successful that now he's getting to enjoy the life that he wants to live and yeah. has a cool farm and it is really taking it to the fullest. And I just love his, his humbleness as well. Yeah, it's amazing with the, the basement conversions and even the large portfolio that he has. I think he said 51 doors that he's managing and with his family. And it's so cool that different types of strategies within one portfolio and, and actively helping other investors in doing drawings and that like, again, he's the guy to go and talk to instead of starting from scratch and Googling it and learning it and struggling. Talk to Ken, reach out to him. I'm sure he could show you some next step. Even the parking stuff. I would have never thought like, you're about these basement conversions. So you're thinking your mind, it's all about the basement. What am I doing? Where are the windows? Where are the doors? Fire escapes, ceiling heights, all that kind of stuff. But then it's like the parking. That seems to be like a big hurdle, right? So that's like something quick you can 
like even said, like from a Google satellite, you can kind of take a look at, right? So that just comes from somebody that has that experience, right? Absolutely. And the checklist that he's providing is going to probably save people thousands of hours or dollars not having to figure it out on their own or even ourselves, right? Because Ken is really the expert. I don't even know all of the things that we need to look for to the T. So that checklist is going to be a gold mine. Yeah. And the one thing I thought going to like the landlord tenant tribunal, you know, that's like kind of entertaining, like free entertainment, I guess, if you want, I guess if it's not your property, it's entertainment. It's, it's pretty crappy business sometimes when you have to go there and, and you're doing that. But he mentioned the community of adjustment meetings when there's you're, you're making adjustments to whether it's the bylaw or the zoning or something like that. And, and I, I can picture like, he said, like sometimes there's 20 neighbors, you know, like the, the, with the, the fire and the picket signs going and they'll save our, that kind of stuff. So that'd be kind of cool. I'm actually going to look into it and maybe in the next month or two, just go and find one. Now, I don't have any reason to go there, but just to go and observe and to see the kind of things, but talking again, again, he's been there. He's seen that. Right. And I don't want to say been there and seen it all, but seen it more than the common person. So definitely a good resource to lean on. And Absolutely. And so I would say April 23rd, if you are interested in basement suites, basement conversions, understanding what to do to be able to do it successfully in the least amount of time possible, then come out and meet the other community folks, the right club nation folks. And it's definitely becoming a great, great culture. It was always a great culture, but it's it's awesome because there's so many people out there that have been to many, many of our events in the past and looking to give back like Ken. And we have many people like that that are very successful that really just want to help others to be successful. And that's, that's the awesome community that it is. Absolutely. And we just recently went over the, the feedback from the surveys from the people that were at our event and, and, and we take that stuff seriously and we review it. And, and for the last few months before we had some feedback for, more networking time. And luckily we did have that. And we had a bar, which was really cool, but there was more time for networking and meeting more people. So we're trying to implement that again for future events, for more networking time. And that's just because of the feedback that we got. We are making the changes that you guys are asking. So if you don't let us know, we can't read your mind. So please, if it's about the live events, if it's about the podcast, please leave a review, rate us. It helps other people find us as well too. So if you think we brought value to you or to people around you. Don't keep us a secret. We want to get out there to as many people as possible. And you never know who we can bring into this community that we can help them, they can help us. And all together, we're helping each other and, and getting stronger together, right? Absolutely, for sure. And our emails are Sarah or Alfonso at therightclub.com. And if you want to learn about rent to owns, what's your JAG email? It's Alfonso at jagproperties.com. That's J-A-A-G properties.com. And for you, Sarah, your website? My first and last name.com. So sarahlarby.com. If you wanted to learn about burrs or buy and hold or real estate investing and how to get started, feel free to reach out to me on my website as well. Well, I think Alfonso on that note, I mean, we've been podcasting now. For those of you, we release an episode a week, but we've been podcasting now since probably you know, nine o'clock or on calls since nine o'clock and it's about almost 2 p.m. So yeah. I think it's time to wrap up. What do you think? Absolutely. I think it's a beautiful Sunday out there. It's sunny. We're going to enjoy the weather, but we hope you guys enjoyed this. We'll see you next week and we'll definitely see you on April 23rd with Ken. All right, right, Club Nation. Take care and see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.